All right, all right. Happy Sunday, everybody. How you doing today? Glad to have you with us in this gathering. Happy Labor Day weekend. Had a number of people ask me earlier today, Tyler, where did the mustache go? And uh, some of you, I guess, have been praying hard because it went away. Uh, Maybe back during ski season, who knows, we'll see. Uh, But anyways, so thankful that you're with us today. If you're new to Life Center, we are passionate about bringing life in Jesus to every life in our communities. It's, It's why we exist. It's why we do what we do. And today we're gonna jump into a brand new collection of messages entitled Judges. We're we're gonna go to a book in the Old Testament. For those who are new to scripture, there's actually a book called Judges. And so in a moment, we're going to go there. We're gonna spend a number of weeks looking at not only some stories, but really a pattern that takes place in this book that reminds us of the human condition and where we need to look to in order to find solution in our lives. You know, Judges, it kind of has this thesis statement to it. It's found in chapter 17. And I I want to begin today by by looking at these words, Judges chapter 17 and verse 6. It says this, in these days, or in those days, Israel had no king. And all the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Now, here's what's amazing to me. All these years later, uh, all of our advancements in technology, all of our access to wisdom and resources, how many know that summary statement isn't just about Israel, it's also accurate about us? There's a lot of people in life who who do what is right in their own eyes. And today, as we kind of tee up this series and we prepare for the next number of weeks, I want to share a message with you that I've entitled, Getting Our Sight Right. Getting Our Sight Right. In 2015, there was something that happened that shook our nation. In fact, Many would say we, we were almost on the brink of a civil war. I mean, families were divided against families, coworkers against coworkers, neighbors against neighbors, children against parents, and it all centered around this. How many of you remember the dress? Now, for those of you who don't remember this, this, this actually took our nation by storm. In fact, the week that followed this photo being released, over 10 million tweets were sent about this dress. And the argument, our nation engaged in this battle that was creating division because some people assumed this dress was a few colors and other people saw something different. Now, let's just see how many of you prayed this week. How many of you, when you see that dress, how many of you see a white and gold dress? Raise your hands. How many of you are confused by the people who just raised their hands? Come on, how many of you see a blue and black dress? Let me hear you. How many of you who just saw the white and gold dress are now confused by what the people clearly cannot see as accurate? How could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that we are all looking at the exact same 
image. Come on, team white and gold, where are you at? Where are you at? Guess what? You are all dead wrong. Welcome to church. Come on, where's all the righteous people, those who are blessed and highly favored of the Lord? Come on, team blue and black, where are you at? Let me hear you. I just made some people angry. In the weeks following, the, the maker of this dress actually had to release a statement confirming that the dress is actually blue and black. And so for those who are seeing white and gold, don't worry, we're going to have some time of prayer at the conclusion of this gathering. But how is it that our nation could be swept up? It's because even though people were looking at the same exact thing, there was a difference of opinion on what was right. So, so how is it possible that, that we could look at the same thing and be convinced that we are right, and yet somebody sitting next to us, and I, I saw you, I saw arguments actually begin to break out. Some of you, your, your lunch is going to be tense today because you're, you're already in conflict because one of you is certain, but here's the problem. The other person is also certain. You see, each of us, we are convinced that what we see is right. And this phenomenon didn't show up in 2015. This actually is a part of the human condition. That we assume we, we see right, we know we see right because we're the ones, what? We're the ones seeing it. But here's where I think we want to lean in today as we consider the, the book of Judges and and where we're headed is how do we get our sight right? Because what we need to be reminded of today is this, what we see as right and what God sees as right isn't always aligned. There's times that, that we look at something and, and we see a circumstance, we see a situation, we, we see a dynamic in our world, and, and we think we see it clearly, but then God sees it a different way. What we see as right and what God sees as right isn't always aligned. And by the way, here's a safe bet. God isn't the one who needs sight correction. Tyler, I didn't show up to have you step on my toes. I'm not trying to step on your toes today. I'm trying to remind us that, that often when there's a disconnect between what God sees and what we see, yes, something needs to be aligned, but it probably isn't God. It's probably us. And this is a great intro to looking at this book that we're going to be in over the next number of weeks. One thing that I want to make sure we always come back to here at Life Center is, is we go to the scriptures. Why? Because we believe that this is one unified story that points us to a person and his name is Jesus. And I start with that. Why? Because many times if we go to Old Testament stories... Many of us are trained or we, we come to the Old Testament with this idea of what's the moral of the story? What do I need to do different? What, how can I be more like that character? 
right? So we, we read a story about a judge, maybe like, like Samson, and we go, how, how can I be more strong for the Lord? But as we're about to rapidly see, all of these judges have issues. So the goal isn't for us to become more like the judges. The goal is for us to understand that these storylines work together to point us to the true solution, which is Jesus. For those who are new to the scripture, the book of Judges takes place in a significant time period. Again, God set into motion his creation. He created Adam and Eve and He called all of his creation good, but something went terribly wrong. Adam and Eve did not deliver on what God had planned. Therefore, he set into motion a plan of rescue and redemption. He made a covenant with a man named Abraham, and he said, through you and your family, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob's name is changed to Israel. And Israel has multiple sons who become the tribes of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. And that family ends up living in Egypt, but then becomes enslaved in Egypt. And the people cry out to God, and this is one of the patterns we see in Scripture, is that God is faithful to raise up a deliverer. That's one of the themes that we're going to look at today. God raises up a deliverer named Moses, and Moses leads the people out of slavery, out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and into what should have been the promised land, but the people fall short, and they spend 40 years wandering the wilderness. Moses was supposed to lead the people in, but he dies on the edge of the promised land, seeing it, not able to go in because of his own disobedience, and so God raises up Joshua to lead the people across the Jordan River and possess what was called the promised land. Joshua in that generation that had saw God do the miracles, fed them in the wilderness with manna, saw the Red Sea part, that generation eventually grows up and dies, and another generation is alive, and that's where the book of Judges takes place. And so we're reading about a people who were supposed to be in right relationship with God. They were supposed to be the the solution to all of the brokenness in humanity, but the challenge is they don't always hit it just right. See, as we look at this, we see one of the issues in Israel. They thought they were doing what was right in their own eyes. Look with me to Judges Chapter 3, verse 7. Judges chapter 3, verse 7. This is where we're going to hang out today. It says this, The Israelites did what was evil in what? The Lord's sight. Now, how how could it be that a group of people who are supposed to be in covenant relationship with God, they're doing what is right in their own sight, but the very things that they're doing is evil or wicked in the Lord's sight? Obviously, Somebody needed to get their sight right. There needed to be alignment that that is taking place. It says this, that they forgot the Lord their God and they worshiped the Baals and the Asherahs. Those were false gods. They were idols in the land in which they lived. See, they thought they were doing what was right, but what they thought they were doing was right was actually wrong. You look at this and... Here's what I know about me. I'm always convinced that what I see is right. Why? Because I see it. 
My, my guess is you are the same. For those of you who saw white and gold, you knew you were right because you clearly saw white and gold, but the problem is you were wrong. And those of you who saw blue and black, you knew you were right, and you were right. But the challenge is, don't, don't let your head get inflated because there's probably other areas that you think you may be seeing right, but maybe it needs to be adjusted. We, we all are convinced that what we see is right. And here's what God spoke through one of his prophets named Isaiah to his people in Isaiah 55. Listen to what he says. This is God speaking to his people. He says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are not your ways. This is the Lord's declaration. For as heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God is reminding his people and humanity, I see things different than you see them. And I don't know about you, this, this actually brings me a little bit of comfort. I talked to somebody after our first gathering this morning and they walked up and they said, you know what, Tyler, what's so amazing about what you said is I didn't have a hard time believing you that the dress was blue and black. I said, why is that? He said, I'm colorblind. <laughs> and I know it. And that's the point. You see, there's a spiritual principle. If we assume that we don't have some issues in our sight that need to get aligned, it's easy to forget that, that we need corrective lenses to see as God actually sees. See, where was it for Israel that their sight fell out of alignment? What, what does this mean for us? Well, if I think about where things got out of alignment for Israel, I think we need to turn one page back to Judges chapter 2. Look with me, Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, who was leading Israel to take possession of the promised land, he died at the age of 110. They buried him in the territory of his inheritance. Skip down to verse 10. That whole generation was also gathered to their ancestors. After them... Another generation, can you say another generation? Another generation rose up who did not know the Lord or the works he had done for Israel. How, how is it that the, this next generation that grows up, they were able to receive the physical promised land, but they were not aware of the one who is actually the promiser, Yahweh, God. You see, today, I think it's important as we tee up where we're headed with the book of Judges, we need to understand a few things. Number one is this, we all share something. We all share something. But the question is, what will it be? What will it be? You look at this generation who they saw God part the Red Sea. They saw God feed them with manna in the wilderness. And, and when it came time for them to pass away, there was one thing that they neglected to share. And what was that? Who God was and what he had done. Sure, they passed on the, the physical land, but the problem is they didn't pass on the provider of that land. God. Think for a moment. 
We can leave behind an inheritance to the generations that follow us. You could leave behind money and homes and even wisdom, but if the generation that follows us doesn't grow up to know the Lord and what he has done, what have we actually shared? We can build great facilities at Life Center. Man, we could, we could pack this place out. But when we draw our last breath, if it dies with us, what have we actually shared? This is why what we do with LC Kids is so important. This is why we invest in our student ministry. It's not just about us. It's about those who are going to follow after us. Amen? Amen. And we all have something to share. Not only do we have something to share, we are all sharing something. But what is it? You've heard me say a number of times that we live in Pierce County, nearly 892,000 people who call this place home, and yet of that 892,000, there's roughly 633,000 who are disconnected from Jesus and his church. We all share something. You may say, well, Tyler, that that number is so big, I I don't know even what to do with over a half a million people. Well, don't, don't worry about the half million, worry about the one that God has put you in relationship with. Because hear me, every one of us is connected to one of those 633,000. You live near them. You work with them. You're related to them. Your kids go to school with them. We are here on purpose to be on mission with Jesus. But if we don't get our sight aligned, it's easy for us to look at what we do and say, I'm doing what's right. I think one of the things that helps us align is ask, what is it that I'm actually sharing? What am I sharing? Who's the one that God has positioned you to influence, to be salt and light with? Let's continue on. Jump with me to chapter three. We just read this verse a moment ago. It says this, chapter three, verse seven. The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They forgot the Lord their God and they worshiped the Baals and the Asherahs, the, the false gods, the idols of the culture around them. See, not, not only do we share something, but understand this today, we all see something. We all see something. And I want us to, to consider today, is our seeing right? Is our seeing right? Every now and then I play a specific role in our family and that is driver of the car. And I've learned over time that there, there tends to be a discrepancy between me being behind the wheel and a certain individual every now and then who's sitting in the passenger seat of the car. Now, now here's what I know. I am seeing right. I'll be driving down the road, And I will see the brake lights come on ahead of me. But I also know that the rate in which I'm moving and the rate in which that car is still moving, even though the brake lights are on, they're not actually slowing down. And so what do I do? I just let off the gas instead of tapping on the brake. But something comes over a certain passenger (laughs) when this happens. You see, I'll be driving and 
and I got a great driving record. I, I, I'm moving forward, but all of a sudden there will be this sound. Can I tell you, I'm more likely to get in an accident because of that reaction than whatever the car in front of me is doing. Come on, can I get an amen? Did you hear how many men said amen right there? Some of you, like some of the ladies in the house right now are gonna say, Tyler, you might have avoided some accidents in the car, but you just drove into one right there. You see, there's, there's a difference. I'm, I'm holding the wheel. I see the brake lights. I know how fast I'm moving compared to how fast that car is moving. But, but guess what? There's a different perspective in the passenger seat. And I would love to say that it just resides with that certain individual who will remain nameless. Because I love married life. But then something happened a few months ago. I went from the driver's seat to the passenger seat because my firstborn got a permit. Can I tell you, I'm convinced there's like a spirit or something that hovers over that passenger seat because... I sit down in this passenger seat and my son clearly does not see the brake lights that I see and something comes over me and I'm like, Shh. I'm looking around, where did that come from? Here's what I've learned. Perspective changes depending on what seat you're sitting in. Here's what I know. None of us are in God's seat. God is the one who's actually seated on the throne. And I have to remind myself of that because when, when there's a discrepancy between what I see as right and what God sees as right, there, there's an adjustment that needs to take place. And I can tell you where the adjustment probably needs to take place. It's not him, it's, it's me. Here's the good news. God has actually given us a window into what he sees as right. He's laid out, he, he's communicated to us. Why? Because he wants the heart of his kids. Friends, that's what this is all about. Continue on with me, Judges chapter three, look at verse eight. It says this. So the, the Israelites, they, they do what's evil in the Lord's sight. They forget about the Lord. And then look at verse eight. The Lord's anger burned against Israel and he sold them to King Cush and Rishathaim. Come on, try to say that three times. I dare you. Cush and Rishathaim. Don't injure yourself. We'll just move forward. King Cush and Rishathaim of Aram Naharim. Now, pause for a second. What Cush and Rishathaim means, if you look in your footnotes, his name literally means doubly evil. That's not just King Evil. That's king double evil. And it says this, that, that the Israelites, they served him for eight years. 
Understand, we, we not only share something, we not only see something, but, but don't miss this. We all serve something. The question is, what is it? What is it that we serve? See, serving something isn't an option. The moment Israel stopped serving God, what happens? They end up serving a king known by the name double evil. And this is the pattern that we actually see over and over and over. It's this cycle that we see in Israel. In fact, take a moment, check out this little cycle that happens throughout the book of Judges. See, Israel was called to be God's covenant people. And so what does Israel do? Israel, they serve the Lord. But life gets good and easy, and so what happens? They forget about the Lord, and Israel falls into sin and idolatry. Because of the outcome of that sin and idolatry, they end up enslaved. Things finally get bad enough that they cry out to God, God, don't you care about us? Don't you love us? But then something happens. They cry out to the Lord, and what does God do? God is always faithful to raise up a deliverer. He raises up a judge. And Israel is delivered. And so what do they do after they're delivered? God, we're going to serve you faithfully all the days of our lives. And life gets easy and pretty soon they forget about the source of their deliverance. And the cycle starts over again. Come on, anybody recognize this cycle, not just in Israel, but maybe in your life at times, in my life. See, I was considering this cycle and I realized, man, I could actually change the word Israel and put the word Tyler in there. <laughs> Tyler serves the Lord. And then I, I forget about the Lord and my heart goes after idols. It, it falls into sin and s- sin is always a terrible place to become a slave to. And things sometimes get bad enough where we finally, we finally surrender. We call out to God and then what does God do? God is faithful to deliver us. And then we say, okay, God, I'm, I'm never going back there again. I'm never going to do that again. Anybody else ever been? I'm, I'm never going to let that happen again. And then what happens? You see, it's not just Israel. Before we get cynical about Israel, let's understand this is a reminder of the human condition. And that's one of the things that Judges is pointing us to is that the fulfillment of breaking out of this cycle, it wasn't a judge in Israel, it was a true and greater judge named Jesus to deliver us. See, many of us, we can become convinced that the path to true freedom is is serving ourselves in the way that we see best. But understand, this is a trap. It's a trap that leads us back to that same cycle. And true freedom, where is it found? It's coming under the rule in the reign of the true king. His name is Jesus. It's Jesus. We, we, all, we all serve something. Some of us, we, we, we serve God, but, but the problem is, uh, above God, we, we want a sense of security. And we, we end up serving that, that sense of security or that, that sense of significance. Understand, we're all going to serve something. What, what is it going to be? I'm thankful that the story doesn't stop there, though, because look at, look at what it says in verse 9. It says this, The Israelites that cried out to the Lord. Why? They were eight years under a king known as double evil. 
They cry out to the Lord, and look at what happens. So the Lord raised up Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. So here's the good news. Yeah, we all, we all share something, we all see something, we all serve something, but, but here's the good news for each and every one of us today. We all can surrender. We all can surrender. The question is, but will we? See, there's a big difference between knowing I can surrender and actually surrendering. And, and if I'm honest, some of us, we treat surrender a little bit like going to the dentist. We will only surrender once the pain of not doing it outweighs the pain of actually doing it. But here's the good news. We can surrender. God gives us the ability to surrender and, and Here's what we need to see and here's what we need to know. God wants the heart of his kids. That's what this was all about. They, they had wandered, they had, they had lost sight of what he saw and they started to think they were seeing clearly but the problem is it was time to get things back in alignment. You know what I'm so encouraged by in this story today? It's this. God has been faithful to provide deliverance even when we are the source of difficulty. Some of you today, maybe you're convinced like, well, Tyler, I'm sure God would deliver some people. I'm sure God would rescue some people. But here's the problem, Tyler. I messed it up for myself. I'm the issue. And can I tell you, God has already provided your source of deliverance. It's not in your effort. It's not in your earning. It's not in your activity. You see, like Othniel, there was a true and greater judge, a true and greater deliverer who was going to come. You see, what, what Othniel was able to provide as Israel's judge in this moment, yes, it was deliverance after eight years of slavery, but here's the problem with the deliverance that they experienced. It only lasted 40 years. Can I tell you the, the peace and the freedom that Jesus offers you? It's not just a 40-year type of peace. It's eternal peace. It's eternal deliverance. It's eternal freedom and forgiveness. Friends, Jesus changes everything. And today, if you find yourself in that cycle where, where you just, you, you try your best to serve God and then something goes sideways and then things finally get bad enough where you cry out and God pulls you out once again and then you forget about God. If that's the cycle that you're in, can I tell you, God already provided your deliverer. His name is Jesus. And he's come to set us free. He's come to get our our vision back in alignment with what he sees. How do we get our vision right? Surrender. Surrender. We all can surrender. So can I ask today, how, how's your sight? You sure it was white and gold? How, how's your sight? In the spiritual sense, it, do you need to get your sight right? Understand, you can't do that. It's not just adding a little bit of moral activity or you just leaving and trying a little bit harder to be a little bit more spiritual. Much like the people of Israel, 
We need a rescuer that can do something that we can't do in our own strength. But the good news is the great rescuer that God provided, it's not just about temporary peace. It's about eternal peace. Jesus has already done that for you, friend. And so today I, I want to talk about a couple of next steps. Maybe you're in this place today and you need to surrender. See, we all can surrender, but, but maybe today is your day where you realize, man, I, I've been trying to dig myself out of this ditch. I've been trying to, to break the cycle in my life. Friend, Jesus has already done for you what you cannot do for yourself. That's why scripture says, if, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Our greatest need, we need a deliverer. Listen, I know some of you, you showed up today for some encouragement. Don't miss the encouragement right here. God loves you so much that he provided a deliverer. And that's our actual greatest need. Be encouraged that God sees you, that God loves you, that he's so passionate about getting your heart back that he was willing to clothe himself in humanity, live the life we couldn't live, die the death we all should have died. But he rose again. That's our hope. Today, maybe that's your desire. Here's what I'm gonna ask. In front of you, there's a next step card. I'd encourage you to grab that right now. And for those of you who are ready to make that decision to say yes to Jesus, I'd love for you to take a moment, write your name on that card, check that box. Here's why. We love it when people make a decision for Jesus at Life Center, but we're passionate and committed to helping you move from that decision to walking every day with Jesus. That's called discipleship. So today we wanna help you move forward in that relationship. Here's the second next step. Maybe you're already a follower of Jesus, but today the Holy Spirit is beginning to kind of shine a light on some areas in your life where you see, you know what, God? I need you to help me get my sight right. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, but, but somewhere along the way that, that sight got out of alignment and you just, you need God's help and you're gonna create some space this week for the, for the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal what needs to get back in alignment. I wanna pray for those two things right now. Would you join me? Jesus, thank you that you do all things well. Lord, as we look at the book of Judges and we see this pattern and the people of Israel and the cycle of brokenness, I step back and I realize it wasn't just them, it's me, it's us. And yet all of this, it's a unified story that points us to you, Jesus, being the true hero. And so I pray that we would create space to consider where are our lives out of alignment? What's the work that you wanna to do to, to help get our sight right, to see what you see, to see how you see? Lord, I pray that we would be committed to creating margin in our lives, to give you access to, to adjust our sight. Lord, as we're gonna discover in the weeks ahead, these Judges, they are broken, flawed people. They couldn't do ultimately what you wanted accomplished and that's why they point us toward Jesus because he's the true deliverer. And Jesus, I thank you that your rescue is available for each and every one of us.
For some of you today, you want to make Jesus Lord and King of your life. You want to know that your debt is forgiven. You have a fresh start with God. If that's you, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask all of us to pray this prayer together. Life Center, we're going to pray this with friends who are maybe praying it for the very first time. Would you say these words? Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. Help me to follow you every day of my life. It's in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate those who are making that decision today? Today, I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet all across the room. Those who have been worshiping with us at home, would you stand as well? As you do, I'm going to invite our pastors and prayer team to join us up front. If there's anything we can pray with you about today, we would love to be able to do that. Listen, we're going to send all of us out of this place on assignment this week. We say it often here. We don't just go to church. We we are the church. So let's go. Let's be the church this week. God bless. We'll see you soon.